Hey folks, if you've seen any of the great merch we have lately, we've got Witch Police shirts, we've got bags, we've got more gear on the way. That's all made by our friends at Divine Shirt Company. Whether it's screen printing or embroidery, heat press vinyl or graphic design, Divine Shirts is the place to go for your band merch. They've been doing some of the best stuff from the best bands in Winnipeg and beyond. And if you're looking to get some merch made, head over to divineshirtcompany.ca or follow them on Instagram and tell them which Police Radio sent you. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. Uh, one of the things uh, about doing this show is that, you know, typically I'm talking to Manitoba musicians, but I feel like music has such a... Just the type of people I'm talking to is such a wide range from... from I could be talking to a rapper or a folk singer or a metal band or, like, someone doing experimental weird robot shit in their basement. And so there's really no limit to sort of the um, the styles of music, I guess, that, that I talk about in this show. But I don't think I've ever had anyone who does, like, comedy music before. I've had some poor attempts at talking to comedians, which is totally not my strong suit. But the guest on this show is someone who mixes the two, I think, very well and has sort of made a name for himself locally over the past number of years uh, for doing that. So I think maybe the best way to start this off is if you want to just uh, quickly introduce yourself and maybe give a bit of background about what it is that you do. Sure, sure. I'm, uh, my name is Jay Williams. And uh, firstly, if it's if it makes you comfortable, I can try my best not to be funny. <laughs> Uh, no, so I do. I do musical comedy, uh, it, and it's not like uh, I don't do. A lot of people think when they hear musical comedy, they think I do like parodies of songs about yeah. food and stuff like Weird Al style. And I write all my own music. I don't do parodies, uh, and mainly my goal is to write like good sounding, pretty songs about really stupid shit. So yeah. like about poop and balls and stuff like that. And so that's pretty much it. <laughs> so uh, but I guess nice my, concise my, uh, description. Yeah. yeah right. I think my, my, my main shtick is when I play live, I encourage people to heckle me and like throw stuff at the stage uh, because I, I really find that engaging people in the show and having them not be just an audience uh, of people that are watching, but actually participants makes yeah. it a lot easier to play more shows and have people come out and be interested. Well, I've always thought, and this is, I think, is, I think I've posted about this online over the years, it's pissed people off, but I've always felt that I, I feel much more embarrassed watching a bad comedy show than watching a bad band. Like, it seems like oh, the level God. of shame involved, um, you know, because I've been in bad bands. I, I know where they're coming from. I kind of, I know mm. the feeling of like, oh, we played terribly. But usually it's kind of just, uh, you know, there's other people with you on stage. It, people are willing to forgive. But comedy seems much more um, like just it hurts. Unforgiving. I, I yeah. Uh, and so I mix, I mix the best or the worst of both worlds. I do bad music and bad comedy. Uh, <laughs> No, but I think you're right about that. I think uh, with comedy, it's almost like the the audience feels entitled to let you know yeah. that you're shitty. And in fact, they, they feel emboldened by the fact, like hecklers, there's no hecklers for a local band, but there are hecklers for local comedians all the time, right? And so part of why I enjoy asking people to heckle me 
is that if I'm asking them to do it, there's no real way for them to show disapproval. Because like if they heckle me, it's like, yeah, that's what I wanted. They must love me, right? And yeah, so yeah. it's pretty sweet. It's a sweet deal. Yeah. That's actually a good plan. I like, I like that strategy for sure. Mm. Um, so it's great. What is your, I mean, because this is primarily a music show, I mean, I obviously mm. want to talk about comedy as well, but what's your course, what's your course. background in music? Because like you said, you're not just kind of like changing the words to a popular song. You're writing your no. own music. You're making your own, your own stuff up. So you obviously so have some I've background been... in, in, in the music side of things. I've been doing music for a lot longer than I've been doing comedy. I played in a number of bands in the city. Uh, most recently, The Civil Disobedience. Cool. I was the lead singer and guitar player for them, and that was super fun. Uh, but I've always found that, uh, like lately anyway, or like for the past, I don't know, I've been doing music for probably 20 years and comedy for, oh, music for longer than that, maybe 25. God, I'm older than I thought I was. <laughs> uh, and comedy for maybe the last 20. But uh, for me, it's always been two sort of separate outlets. Uh, comedy is, is one way of sort of... Uh, you know, there, there's a certain itch that I get to scratch by doing comedy and there's a very different itch that I get to, yeah. to scratch by doing the heavier music or something where I could just come out and be angry. Uh, and recently I found a way to sort of mix the anger into the comedy again, which is great. Does uh, it, but yeah, so does it require different kind of sides of your brain to, to do be creative in both I different aspects? I can never tell what side of my brain I'm using, but yeah, it's a different, it's a different sort of process, but for me, actually, more recently, once I started doing comedy, it became the same for both. And so uh, with my band, Civil Disobedience, when uh, between songs, I would have the same persona as the Jay William messed up. And so between songs, I'd be like, yeah, fuck you guys. And, and people would eat it up. And it was great. And I really found that people respond to that. And so they both sort of became blurred together for me, which I thought was really cool. I, I, I found a sort of comfortable place and I really like it. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So... I know you've been, like you said, you've been doing this, you've been doing music for much longer than, than comedy, but you've been mm. doing comedy for quite a while now. I mean, I've, I remember hearing, while, yeah. hearing your name uh, come up often, just, just seeing on show listings and stuff. Yeah. And at one point in, I'm not even sure what year it was, uh, 2007, um, my old band played a show with you at the zoo. I was in a band called The Mouth Boat, and we played a weird show okay. with you at the zoo. And uh, the reason this story is even remotely interesting is because um, you were on, I, I don't know if you were on first, but you were on before us. And... Mm -hmm. I was there with um, my now wife. We were just, we, we hadn't even really started dating yet. We went to the show, and we, we, we watched your set, and then I went yeah. on to, to, to play. And we had and like sorry, a, to clarify, this was, I was in a band, or this was... No, this was you doing stuff. a Jay Williams. Oh, sweet, okay. At the zoo. And so um, we went on stage, and we had a dancing robot and stuff, and uh, so... I remember that. There's all these people dancing in the crowd and everything, my, my now wife is there, and you started dancing beside her, and I remember thinking from the stage, like, she's dancing with a fucking clown. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like so I, I had this like I didn't, I didn't know you and I enjoyed your set and everything yeah. but I was like oh this asshole I mean obviously you know it was everyone was dancing with the the robot but uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah that, that is no, my that course. is my original memory of seeing you perform which is kind of funny that's amazing yeah. well I mean fuck you too for yeah. sure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great but that like super cool. so how much of your you know comedy stuff has, has interacted with music in that way where you've been playing on shows doing kind of the musical comedy thing and the rest of the show is just straight up music so I have actually found that uh, I, I feel like sort of an outcast from both the music scene and the comedy scene. Uh, I feel like comic, comics don't really accept someone who shows up with a guitar. Yeah. They, they really frown on that. They see me as like a prop comic. Um, and I found that at first bands aren't into the idea of playing with a comedian. However, once they see my show, they really warm up to me. And so I feel a lot more accepted by the music scene than I do uh, by the comedy scene. And so it just ended up that I played the bulk of the, of the 
musical comedy shows I've done were with bands. And I like that a lot more because I can really catch people off guard. Like if they yeah. don't know who I am, I come out and I pretend to be like a, like a brooding emotional singer songwriter. And then I play songs about poop and cock and balls and I really catch them off guard. And I feel like that makes them go from like really resenting me to all of a sudden like, Oh, okay, you got me. This guy's cool. And it's yeah. I found acceptance in the music scene by doing that. And that's why I feel a lot more comfortable there. And I enjoy it a lot more. That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird to think. Cause I mean, it, it seems like, cause on the, on the surface, you seem like you're a comedian. I mean, even watching some of your recent videos, which I'm going to talk about in a second, but it's <laughs> obviously funny. Like the, the, the point of it is funny, but yeah, I can see how, how that, that idea of, Oh, it's a folk singer. Wait, no, this is a poop song. Like that, that's exactly. going to get people like on your side. Yeah. That kind of misdirection, uh, like I really, I feel like the best way to make people warm up to you is to make them really sort of like dislike you at first and then just be like, it was a joke and yeah. you're right to dislike that person I was pretending to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason, I, and like I just mentioned, you know, you have these recent videos out and that's kind of the reason I, I decided to reach out to you now to have you on the mm. show is because, like I said, I've known about your your stuff for a while, but um, you've been making these videos about Brian Pallister. Um, yes, yes, I have. And they have... <laughs> I, as far as I can tell, they've been doing quite well online. Like I've seen them like, share surprisingly well. Tons yeah, of times. I got like ten thousand views in one day on the most recent one, and I didn't expect that at all. I just, I honestly was doing it sort of to kill time during the pandemic. Yeah. But also therapeutically to just like I was really pissed off, and I was like, "Hey, what will help? I know I will make a song and and tell Brian to fuck himself, and yeah. and we'll see how that makes me feel." And it was great. But people really responded to it uh, in a, in a huge way, and I'm very thankful for that. It's awesome. Do you think that having the um the kind of funny element with also a catchy song is more effective than say you were just a hardcore band, just kind of screaming fuck Pallister. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's, it's a lot more, I find like I can reach more people with that element of comedy. And like, to be honest, there are the, the most recent song, uh, dear Brian, it's not really that funny. I find it's more angry than funny. Yeah. Uh, and it's sort of a departure from what I normally do uh in a lot of ways but in the main the main way that i find it's a departure is people i played it at a show one time and they that was the only song that they didn't do the boo the the shtick they they clap for it because yeah. they're like we can't boo this you're not i'm not like putting that out there as like oh i don't believe in this this is stupid i'm like hey this is what i really think fuck you brian yeah and people respond to it in a different way and so it's been a, it's been a fun departure but I, I can't wait to uh he's uh he's sort of been my like musical muse which is Imagine, if you will, you wake up one day and you realize that your creative muse is a gross old man that you loathe and you can't write songs about anything else. It sucks. Yeah. And so I'm really, really glad that he's retiring. I have one more song that I just finished. Uh, and then after that, I'm never going to think about him again. And I'm going back to writing songs about squirrels and shit like that. You know, it's going to yeah, be yeah. great. I can't wait. Start off by saying that you're doing a great job Despite what pretty much every single person here is saying And none of this will seem like it's your fault If you never admit you were wrong Dear Brian mentioned many times that your mother was a teacher does that 
mean you didn't give two shits about her either? When she asked for a hug, did you send her down to North Dakota? Your mother would be proud of how you hung those teachers out to dry With a bold-faced North Dakota lie Yeah, I bet she'd be dripping with pride To see you never admit you were wrong Never admit you were wrong Dear Brian Now that Manitoba has the worst infection numbers in North America You really need to concentrate your efforts On blaming other people Just keep crying on TV While blaming Manitobans in general Even though it's pretty fucking clear Who it is who is breaking all the lockdown rules Dear Springs Church Let me start off by saying that and if I'm not mistaken, that's why you don't pay taxes Because supposedly you're supposed to be giving back to our community But which part of the maskless grad against regulations Is the part where you're giving back to anybody but yourself And if you won't act socially responsibly Then maybe Taxes and stop pretending not to be a fucking business, Leon. And the same goes for the chuckle fucks from the seven Baptist churches. We're not only breaking lockdown rules, but actively protesting science. Look, guys, I get it. You started the pandemic by making decisions with no information. When it turned out that you were all wrong You decided to double down At everyone else's expense Cause you refused to admit you were wrong And if you never admit you were wrong No one can blame you for anything at all And you'll never be held accountable For your own mistakes, your own mistakes But if you never admit you were wrong you end up always being wrong Cause you'll never allow yourself to learn From the increasing number of dead Manitobans You never admit you were wrong We cannot just blame each other You never admit you were wrong How many people have to die just to save your fucking pride You never admit you were wrong Churches should absolutely pay taxes You never admit you were wrong I mean, not, I don't want to get too much into the politics. Obviously, he is uh, his his public approval rating has not been high. No, it hasn't, no. <laughs> over the last little while. What do you think it is about him that kind of 
I mean, I know you're joking about it being your muse, but I mean, you kind of not, mm. right? Because you've written all these songs. I'm not at all, no. About I, and it's because and the reason I ask uh, what is it, what is it about him is because I mean, there's lots of politicians that piss people off, and, mm-hmm. and but this is, I mean. You're not just writing songs, you're making like, you know, high production value videos and you're putting a yeah. lot of work into this. So what is it specifically about him that makes it feel For like me, it's worth that? This is, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. Uh, a lot of people think that it's just like, oh, I'm political. I'm going to keep writing songs about politicians. It's not that at all. It is a hundred percent personal. Um, well, not necessarily personal, but so I'll, I'll tell the story. Sure. Uh, the, before he was, uh, before he was premier, I, I think he was maybe not even the leader of the of the Conservative Party yet. Uh, he did an interview with uh, just like a random lady with a with a camera, and it was the it was the infidel atheist. I remember that, yeah. Where he was like wishing, and he was he meant well, but he's just clueless, right? And so he he was like, oh, I wish I want to wish a Merry Christmas to all you Christians and and uh, and uh, Happy Hanukkah to the the Jewishes, and also. Uh, uh, even you infidel atheists out there, I want to wish you happy holidays. Yeah. And so I had no problem with that. Like old old people are out of touch and, and stuff like that. But it was when he was confronted and instead of apologizing and saying, oh, I get what I said was offensive, he doubled down and he was like, you know what? I was right because infidel technically means non-believer and that, therefore you have no reason to be offended. And I thought to myself like, this guy, not only is he, is he a stubborn asshole, but if he's ever the leader of anything, that's trouble because someone who cannot admit that they're wrong right. is so dangerous because he will just double down. And that's what we've seen him do. And so that was the main thing. It was, and it, and so everyone's like, oh, are you gonna are you gonna keep going with the next leader? I don't think I will. I think I'm done with it. I think it was just him. Do you? Th- I mean, I, I know you can't know this, but do, do you think he's heard it? Like, do you think there's a chance that he's? Actually- I I think there is zero chance that he hasn't heard it. Yeah. In fact, uh, so. My friend and I uh, were the ones that did the giant skating dink on the ice behind his house. Right. Uh, and I know I heard a story that he definitely was pissed off about that. The story goes that he was at uh, he was at work and there were some interns there and he was ranting and raving about how how pissed off he was about it. And he just handed one of them a shovel and he said, go take care of it. And they looked at him and they were like, well, no, like, well, that's not our job, you know. And so I know that I got through to him like that. Uh, but it all started, I started writing him letters uh, okay. years before. I would write him a letter every month or so. And it was all really sarcastic. And I pretended that I was such a huge fan of him. And, and I would say things like, you know, I stand with you, Brian. I, like you, don't really think poor people are people. And I think, you know, and stuff like that. And so, and I never got a response. And the only time I know for sure that he reacted to something was the skating dink. Okay. But... If you like, there were, I've heard from people, uh, I've heard from uh, NDP politicians who were like, oh yeah, like we shared this with everyone, you know? And so I think there's no chance that he has at least heard of them. And I would just love so much to be able to see a re- his reaction. I'd love to see the video, Brian Pallister reacts to Dear Brian. Yeah, I yeah. would like, I could die happy after that. That'd be great. Yeah. Does does knowing that he might, he, he's probably going to see it, does that affect the content at all does that make it i mean does no. that add to the jokes like can do you not get more really. personal or not really like i try i try not to get too too personal uh unless there's a unless there's a reason behind it like i brought up uh i brought up his mom in the last one uh just because of how shitty he was treating teachers and he right. always said that oh my favorite teacher is my mom and so that was personal on purpose but there was a point i wanted to be like Hey, you bring your mom up. I'm going to bring her up too. She'd be ashamed of you. Right. But it's never, I never, it's never just like a cheap shot or anything like that. It's more, and I don't, I honestly, I never wrote them for him. It was always for me. 
And the fact that people started to enjoy them was great too. But bottom line, it's I music, comedy, everything has always been for me. I enjoy it. And if I like something and I put it out and other people don't like it, it doesn't bother me that much. And there are, trust me, there are lots. I did a, I did a, uh, uh, project where I did a, a song a week every every week for a year. It was called Fifty Two Songs, and there are a lot of duds in there. But there are some really good ones that no one seemed to like, and I don't give a shit. I love them. Yeah, and so yeah. That's that's mission accomplished as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Fifty two songs. 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 Fifty two. attitude to have if you're doing comedy where the idea is presumably to make as many people as possible laugh or is that fairly normal attitude for comics to have uh i I think it's a weird attitude for someone who's doing comedy professionally to have sure sure but i'm more of a hobbyist like i don't do it for a living and so i really think that makes it easier for me to just be able to do and say whatever i want and not try and cater to what other people think is funny because i think art in general once you start doing it as its own marketing and once you start writing the song not that you want to do but that people want to hear i think it loses honesty and i think that it suffers for it and so yeah and so i'm lucky to be able to be able to make uh, a living uh doing something else and to do this just for fun 
And I'm lucky to have the, I mean, during the pandemic, I had nothing but time. Right. And it was a great way to fill the time. And it was never something where I was like, oh, I wonder if this will be, if, if people will like this. And honestly, I think that's maybe something that people have picked up on and enjoyed is that it's, it is coming from an honest place and maybe they can sense that or maybe not. Again, I don't really care. It's, it's fine either way. Yeah. Well, that kind of relates to something that's come up a lot in the show over the years too, regardless of what genre of music people are doing, is that Winnipeg and Manitoba, there seems to be a very, um, very good bullshit detector among audiences. Yeah. Like, pe- pe- people know if you're doing something genuinely or if you're on it being honest and this is, you're actually presenting who you are. Cause I mean, I've seen so many, you know, I mean, hip hop artists, for example, acting like they're from New York or LA or Atlanta or something yeah. in Winnipeg. And it just, it just bombs because you we know you're from the prairies, agree. right? Like it's not, it's yeah. Not, yeah. So uh, that, that makes sense. But we're, and I think too, that we're this, one of the reasons we, one of the reasons we've always had such a strong arts and cultural and music scene is that we are, geographically insulated and isolated totally. to the point where we sort of have to entertain ourselves. And so that, that sort of lends itself to a, a regional identity, a regional artistic and musical identity that when someone is part of that and, and is genuine, like you recognize that and you're like, Hey, Samers. Yeah, yeah. And if someone's from here and they're trying to pretend like they're from somewhere else, it's like, ah, well, I like, why don't you just go there? Yeah. If you don't want to be from here, you know? And so I think, yeah. And it's funny, like the, my stage persona is super ironic. Like I'm always like saying the opposite of what I mean and stuff like that, but it's people, people that get it, understand it. And then when you look past the irony, it is all very genuine and honest. Sure. And I think people get that. Yeah, I think I, I think so. Anyway. I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with um with the songs like these Palliser songs just for an example because they're the most recent yeah. uh, things you put out. I know obviously you made the videos, the videos have uh, mm-hmm. been shared thousands of times, which is great. Mm-hmm. What happens to them after that? Are these the songs that you cuz you've obviously recorded the audio somewhere, right? I mean, you you've made yeah. the songs before making the video. So do they Oh yeah, absolutely. Are they going to be released in any other form or is YouTube the main the main goal there? Uh, so no, it's just, uh, it's honestly, it was just sort of like getting the ideas out and like exercising myself of that anger and that resentment. And so it was never, no, it was never even the, even the 52 songs thing I did, it was never to put them out. If people want them, they can download them. That's fine. But it was never to try and make money off of them or anything like that. I I gave up on, I'm such a bad self-promoter and marketer. And I've known this for so long that I just gave up on trying to like make a career out of it. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm perfectly happy having it be like a hobby that I do when I need to. And like I said, it's always been a selfish thing for me. It's like a, a thing that I'm taking care of uh, my own personal need, but yeah. if other people enjoy it, that's great, but I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to put it out or anything like that. I had a few people ask uh, when the video came out, they're like, Hey, can you send me like a wave or an MP3 of this? I really like it. And I was flattered. I was like, of course I can. Yeah. And they're like, oh, how much? I'm like, nothing, zero. I don't want money for this. This is just, <laughs> I did this for me. And if you like it too, great. I'd love to share it and like spread it around. You know, it's great. Yeah. Do you think that you're more, uh, I mean, I, I'm assuming this is the case, but do you think that you're more of the type of artist that people benefit from seeing live? I mean, having that that interaction with the crowd and, and that ability to kind oh, of 100%. play off that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because the, the, the stage are like, just hearing the songs themselves, people might not get where I'm coming from. Hopefully they do. I try, I try and make it obvious, but it, this stage show is a, is a completely separate element and it adds to it. I think like I have some weird songs that are like sort of leave people scratching their heads if they just hear them alone. But if they, if they sort of like, if I, if I lead into it, like, yeah, this is a really important song, you know, it's a, 
it's a political song and you're really gonna enjoy it. And then I just sing a song that's it, hey motherfucker, which just like balls, cunt, boobs, the whole thing. And it's like there's no context at all. And it's yeah. I it's it's a lot easier to I can use the jokes on another level as punchlines themselves with the with the uh and another thing uh, in the in the live show, I'll stop within a song to tell a story like four times yeah. to the point where people get so frustrated and they're just like, play the damn song. And I'm like, Oh, well that reminds me of another story where I was playing the song and I stopped, you know, and it's, it's really fun to, it's sort of like, uh, I see it sort of like how uh, Fred Penner, for example, yeah. will play sandwiches or something. And he'll be like, Oh, and like, what, what kind of food do we like? Is it pizza? And they're like, the kids are like, no sandwiches. Yeah. Or like, and the adults what? too are in their heads. Yeah. And we're just well, like, yes, sandwiches. Well, and that's yeah. exactly yeah. it. And so like, I really see, I, I really see the ch- the inner child of a lot of people come out at my shows, and that's it's weird because I'm like singing about some horrible, gross stuff. But like, <laughs> it's it's great when when people sort of play along. It's it's fun for everyone, and it's not just. Sometimes I'm more entertained by the crowd than they are by me, and I love that because, yeah. like I said, it's from a selfish place, and so like I I like to be entertained, and that's great. How much of your show is is, is planned ahead of time? I mean, obviously, you know, the songs are pre written, and I'm sure you yeah. have a set list, but because of the kind of potential for almost, things to go off the rails like how almost is none yeah. almost none uh i played weekly shows at shannon's for a bunch of years and i was i was actually doing it for a living then but i was just scraping by yeah. just doing one show a week and uh in in that time i developed a really good like i'm really one of my strengths is i'm quick on my feet uh when someone yells something i can it might not be the the most clever thing but because it's so quick it's it's funny enough you know and yeah, so yeah. I got to the point where I didn't have to plan ahead. Uh, and it's, that's like a, it's a huge bonus for me because I'm not a very good ahead planner. And so that's, uh, <laughs> you know, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So very, very little is, is planned out. Cause I feel like, I mean, I, again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not really a comedy guy and I feel like it's kind of a blind spot for me. I, I, I hear jokes that I like, I hear clips of comedians that I like, I've seen mm. stand-up comedians I like, but I definitely don't have a, a deep knowledge of it or a deep fandom of it. But I feel like, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like a lot of comedians are either doing something that's very, very scripted, uh, down to yeah. every beat, and then there's the Absolutely. ones that are more like jazz, where it's it's all happening kind of on the fly yeah. and it changes every night. So, a great example. I did a fringe show. I've done fringe shows like solo one man shows, okay. uh, but those aren't those aren't what I'm I'm talking about here. I did a fringe show where it was essentially just four stand up comedians and me, and we did seven days in a row. Oh, cool. And I had never, I've never done stand-up. It's not my thing. I don't really, I enjoy a few stand-up comedians, but for the most part, I'm not a huge fan of the medium. I don't, I don't, it's not my thing. Yeah. Uh, but I was, and so I don't know much about it. I've never really studied it or, or toured with a comedian or anything like that. And I was so surprised and I'm a little embarrassed that I was this surprised, but I was so surprised that every night, all four of the other comedians did word for word, the exact same set. And I was like going up on stage being like, hey, what do you guys want to hear? I have like 30 songs. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm going to play this one. And then I would just sort of pick someone out of the crowd and be like, hey, you're my buddy, you know? And so, and they were surprised too. They're like, how do you do a new thing every night? And and I thought to myself, like, I wouldn't do this if I couldn't. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it, seems, it seems weird for something that's, that's that comes across as so spontaneous when it is, mm-hmm. when you realize it is like word for word, pause for pause. Yeah. yeah. And there are, there are, uh, I think the really great comedians do have a plan and they script it out, but sure. they're also really quick on their feet. And so if someone jumps in and, or is obnoxious, they'll, they'll be able to tear them apart in a, in a sort of uh, a great way that isn't, doesn't need to be scripted. I saw a guy one time do, uh, he was doing this joke and he's like, Hey, so, uh, 
how many of you, I don't want to say the actual joke because it sure. might out him, uh, but so he's like, let's say like, oh, how many of you use a blender at home? Uh, and the, the point of his joke was like, no one uses a blender, but all these people are like, I do. And then he was like, okay, uh, well, the reason <laughs> no one uses a blender and he just went on like no one had responded positively, yeah, yeah. even though they had. And it was embarrassing. It was like, dude, you have to plan for, if you're going to leave it open-ended, you have to plan for both eventualities. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like it would be and awful. So for me, yeah. yeah, like really, really bad. Yeah, but for, for me, it's always just been like not even leave little bits of, of improv. It's just like, hey, let's let's see what the crowd is like tonight and let's see what they want to talk about and what they want to hear. And let's see what kind of mean shit they're going to yell between songs because like chances are I've heard it before and I have I have like little bits. Sure. Like uh, there was one guy who uh, stood up and he, and he, right, like there's, uh, you know, in a, in a busy bar, there's sometimes there'll be like a perfect lull of silence and he, it happened right when he stood up and he said, you should have been aborted. And I said to myself, like, or I said to him, I was like, wow, well, so I'm adopted. And so that was like for sure on the table at one point. <laughs> and my my bit that I always do is I grab the mic stand and I make it go up my head. Yeah. And I'm like, the only reason I survived is I'm good at this. And then there's a pause. And I'm like, that that's a coat hanger just in case. And there, everyone's like, oh, you know, but it's, yeah, it's cool to have those little bits. But when when someone else sort of brings them up and I don't have to force it, it's a yeah. lot better. Yeah, because it, it, it seems so much more... Uh impressive right the fact that you came up well, with something it seems, yeah and like the the fact that i have these little bits in my repertoire like it it seems like it's completely off the cuff and so it makes me seem way cleverer than i actually am yeah, which is yeah. great i'm a huge fan of that you yeah know? <laughs> and that, that's nice to hear even in like a uh, any kind of live setting when there's heckling i mean there are heckling for bands and not as not as much obviously but theater heckling no. anything like the, like i yeah. do a speech if they if the comeback can be on topic and and then seemingly spontaneous it yeah it definitely adds to the performance Absolutely. It really does. Yeah. And it just like, and to your appreciation, right? Like it's, yeah. yeah. I fell behind a little bit on my project. I've got to write a couple really quick songs. I went outside for a walk for inspiration. And this is all the inspiration I found. Fuck, I hate winter in Winnipeg. What kind of idiot would build a city here? Fuck, I hate winter in Winnipeg. I'll never understand those fucking pioneers. car won't start the snow banks are taller than me my face hurts from the wind chill everyone is grumpy understandably fuck i hate winter in winnipeg what kind of idiot would build a city here fuck i hate winter in winnipeg i'll never understand those fucking pioneers I wish I could hibernate from November to the spring every single year. I'd fatten up every fall by eating lots of pizza and drinking tons of beer. I'd sleep in a cave wrapped up in blankets like a fluffy burrito. And I'd wake up in the spring with a lumberjack beard.
Yorkshire and Winnipeg. What kind of idiot would build a city here? Fuck, I hate winter in Winnipeg. I'll never understand those fucking pioneers. Fuck, I hate winter in Winnipeg. What kind of masochist would build a city here? Fuck, I hate winter in Winnipeg. It's dangerous to go outside for half the year. So what's the best way at this point? I know I know the pandemic is still on. Who knows how long it's going to be? We're, yeah, we seem I mean, like we're, we're kind we're of just, getting out of it, but... Uh, it's, yeah, like we're... You know, we're at that part where, like, we're uh, we're on the roller coaster and we're like, oh, maybe it's maybe it's yeah. safe again, and we're just headed back up, and yeah. it's gonna be crazy, and maybe this is the <laughs> one where we go through the shaving cream or the water at the bottom. We're like, ah, right, or someone falls yeah. off the car in the middle of the yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. So, assuming assuming things do continue to get better, and assuming you know shows are starting to happen in general more often now than they were mm-hmm. a couple months ago, if that continues, what's sort of your plan for getting back out there? Because you've obviously been busy during this time off yeah but i mean busy ish i i'm really you've been, you've been working to, you've been making making creating you've been creating right absolutely yeah. yeah i i and i feel like there are a lot of people who uh who have spoken to you who were sort of like had to work through the pandemic or whatever and were were feeling shitty that they weren't able to create as much and and i feel almost shitty that i just found something to be able to be creative with yeah uh so i feel very fortunate uh but as far as like going forward i'm just gonna keep playing as many shows as I feel like I did a, I did a festival this past weekend, which was really awesome. Cool. Uh, it was called gentle fest. Oh yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh, yeah, it was great. I got in trouble from the, uh, the landowner. Cause I started a fuck Brian Pallister chat, <laughs> uh, which I thought like, Hey, you got paid. Maybe don't like censor what we're doing. But I, I went and apologized to him because I didn't want the, the festival yeah. people to get screwed over. But there was, there was something so wonderful and something that you don't get from views on YouTube or whatever about just getting back on stage and seeing all those smiling faces giving me the finger. Yes. And I was just like, I was going through the crowd and being like, fuck you and fuck you. And I was smiling ear to ear and all these people that I love and haven't seen for so long. It was such a warm feeling. And it's so great to be able to do that while telling people to fuck themselves. It's sure. the most fun thing ever. It's great. And so, so I think going forward, I'm just going to like play as many shows as I can. And hopefully people will still enjoy seeing them, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, outside of that, I mean, aside from seeing you live, what's the best way for someone to to see what you've done or hear what you've done? And, and you know, you, you have a oh, pretty man. big catalog of past work at this point. I, I mean, do. And I, like I said uh, earlier, I suck at promoting myself. And so I think my one of my goals in the next little bit is to just get it all in one place. I've got a few YouTube videos, like, that you can find pretty easily by just, like, interneting me yeah yeah uh but uh i i have a bunch of old songs that i'd love to make videos for i have an album that isn't even online i have like physical copies lying around collecting awesome. dust which is pretty silly uh uh but like uh, as far as like that i guess youtube would be the place to go to to find me i also have uh like a soundcloud with all the 52 songs that i did that one year cool which was it was fun there's some shit in there though but there's some i was well, surprised it's 52 songs it's hard to hard to yeah. be a winner every time and, right? And like, so uh, ADHD, uh, I really sort of dropped off. I didn't do a song every week, like on schedule. I sort of did like six songs in the first six months and then left it all till the end. And I did like 32 songs in the last 45 days of the year. And so I was completely delirious by the end. And I remember the last day, I I actually literally did an interview on CBC about the fact that I was about to finish my 52nd song. I went home and I finished the song. I pressed upload. And I wept and like, not even, not even a word of a lie. Like I cried like a little baby because it was just so much 
I, there was so much relief. I was just like, I never thought I'd be able to do it. And I actually did it. And I was like, yes. Uh, but I was so surprised that I, I sort of used to think like, oh, creativity is this like, it's a gas tank and you use it until it's gone, but it's more like a muscle. And I had worked on it so much in the last little while in the, la in the last bit of the year that some of the, some of the songs I made near the end were actually some of the best ones just because I was getting better at songwriting and expressing myself in a, in a funny way that I almost wish I'd kept doing it, but I also would never, ever do that again. <laughs> it was ridiculous. So uh, obviously YouTube is, is, is to, to find the more recent stuff, that's sort of the main, the main yeah, spot. And then yeah. social media, you're, despite, as you say, not great at promoting yourself, you exist on the, uh, on the social media and you can be found. I do. Yeah. Uh, mainly, mainly on Facebook. I don't really do the Twitter or the Instagram as much. Um, Instagram I use for uh, when I'm traveling, uh, either pictures of my girlfriend and myself looking at uh, world, uh, like looking at uh, uh, landmarks and stuff sure. like that, where, like so, because we when we we did a we traveled three years ago. We did we did uh, Southeast Asia and Europe for six months each, okay. and we were we were talking about how it's so ridiculous that people post selfies of these beautiful things where it's like you can just say where you are and people can look it up and see a way better picture than you you could ever take. Yeah, yeah, and, and your so face isn't in do, it either. It's not blocking. Them. Well, yeah. that's exactly yeah. it. And so what we would do is we would go to like a we went to like uh, we went to uh, all these temples and stuff and these beautiful beautiful temples. And we would just like take a selfie of just our faces while we were looking at the temple, yeah. but they couldn't see it. And we'd be like, wow, like wish you guys can see this. It's so amazing. You know, and that was really good. Uh, but yeah, so I don't, I don't use those for, for promoting myself at all. And Facebook, I just use for like arguing with people. It's not really. It's kind of what it's for at this point. It really is. It's, it's a lot of fun if you're in the mood for that, but uh, it can also be pretty frustrating. Beg and I plead for you to leave me alone 
Why don't you fuck yourself?